Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is Flyover Ministry. The tea today is iced because it is summer. It is very warm. And Jordan, it's good to see you as we get recording the summer series arc, uh, talking about intergenerational contact points between younger generations and older generations. Indeed. Indeed. Jordan, yes. I have a question for you. Go ahead. What is, I think, the clearest way in your ministry that you see this sort of thing happening? Like if you were to give somebody a case example from your ministry, what springs to mind? We actually have a couple of adults that have taken it upon themselves to purposefully um, connect with students outside of the scope necessarily of the youth ministry. So that means they're not consulting me. They're not um, seeing it necessarily as a part of the ministry effort of the congregation. Which, you know, we can have a conversation about that. Uh, we might get into that, actually, throughout the scope of this month. But from my perspective, I see this and I see students who are able to um, build a relationship with someone outside of the typical age spectrum that they might associate with normally. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of value in that because they're passing on skills, they're passing on experience. Um, there's a reason for that, another one more reason for that student to be present on a Sunday morning. Um, so I, I've really appreciated that um, and tried to, from my perspective, foster that in, or encourage that where I see fit so that they know that this isn't a competition. Because sometimes people might get that weird headspace where they see this as like, oh, well, I don't want to intrude. You know, like, no, this is, this is great. You know, I, you don't need me <laughs> to approve you connecting with a student, you know, um, that's, that's mm -hmm. awesome. So Please, uh, that's how please it's kind intrude. of yes, please intrude. Please. I I am welcoming and actually seeking intrusion. So I'm looking for four <laughs> intruders regularly every week. Please come and intrude. Um, so there's there's that here. Uh, what would you say about for you? I would echo the uh, relationships that many of our adults want to have with our students when they will greet each other in, in passing. You know, with a smaller church, you can't really avoid. Everybody, when you're kind of leaving, entering a church, leaving a church, you see everybody who's there. And we've got uh, a lot of older individuals in our congregations who know quite a bit about our students and wanting to, you know, formally encourage and not like, don't make your relationship weird, but I want to encourage you and just formally recognize like you're doing some discipleship here. And, and I want you to see it from that perspective as well. Like, it's not just. Uh, casual how do you do on your way out of church this is uh, you building a relationship people seeing that here's an older Christian that uh, cares about me that knows me that sees me for who I am and just values my uh, involvement here as a church and I I just really want to try and encourage that you know sometimes older people just don't have that perspective mm -hmm. so I, I really want to 
show them that, you know what, you are doing youth ministry. Yes, you don't have students in your house, and yes, you've been an empty nester, and uh, you know, who knows what. You don't have the energy to go hike up a mountain uh, or to ride on a, a bus or to, to drive our students anywhere or to be with them in, you know, for any of our outings or anything, but you are doing just incredible ministry and helping us with what we're trying to accomplish and just wanting to formally recognize that. Yeah. So this is admittedly kind of a buzz topic, you could say. Like, this isn't a small discussion happening in an obscure corner of the interwebs, um, but this has been a big discussion and shift that's been happening within the realm of youth ministry for, for a decent amount of time here. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, there's been different movements in the past as you look at youth ministry historically. So as we're thinking about this topic of intergenerational contact points, again, going back to our frequent question of the why, um, is there something that makes this different where it's not just a fad? It's not just a moment in our culture that's going to once again be kind of very passe, like, I don't know, you could think of something previously um, within the context of youth ministry, or is there something that makes this a lasting thing that maybe we're just needing to return to, um, mm-hmm. as far as theologically, scripturally, what say you? <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing here because, uh, just the other day there was on one of the youth worker pages on Facebook, someone was looking for, uh, game ideas because they were having a nineties theme, like 90s throwback theme for youth ministries. Like, sure. give me some classic 1990s youth ministry games. And there was everything from uh, drinking Mountain Dew out of a sock to, you know, just all sorts of things that were throwbacks. To, oh, yeah, we really did do that, didn't we? Like, that was, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was never a part of a group that did the Mountain Dew thing, but uh, I threw up Pogs as an idea. Yes. And the reply from the person who posted is like, what's that? And I went, oh, no, no. <laughs> I have to explain that we purposely collected cardboard circles. And, you know, <laughs> but it matters. No, so I think back to that, though, right? So there's fads and trends. And thank goodness that some of those fads and trends kind of have passed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's always been a component about youth ministry that has been about uh, that has focused on the intergenerational discipleship you are building relationships with teenagers you are engaging with them and and showing them by the ministry of presence and sweat equity that jesus loves them you know not just by the words you say not just by what you teach but um, i think we've mentioned in the past right our students don't remember week after week, usually what we say. They do remember uh, and do have an incredible memory for the mistakes we make and the funny things that happen when we're on a trip. But what they also do remember is that, uh, you know, Lord willing, that when when I needed them most, when I needed support and help, I knew who to turn to. And I know that people were able to support and love me. And I think when you... Think about that. There's always been, not just when youth ministry formally became a thing back in like the 1960s. This was long before that. And you see examples and evidence of that in the Bible. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of 
specific examples here. And I, I pulled up Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 12 here, just as the initial starting point. I think this is a pretty strong start to what we are saying, where uh, Israel's just coming out of the wilderness. They are about to enter the promised land, and Moses, before he passes away, gives them uh, the law again, gives the law to a new generation of people. And I mean, if you really want to think about it, because all of the older Israelites had passed away over the course of the last 40 years, um, Moses is the first youth pastor in the Bible. Think about that. As soon as that curse is given where they have to wander, instantly focus on passing what they have learned to the next generation. That is the focus. So you reading, I think we'll just read it here. Is that all right, do you think? I am not opposed to the public reading of Scripture. <laughs> I was going to say, don't be the guy who says, no, I don't think reading the Bible is okay. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of the, all the good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is God's word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that passage, again, like you said, you, you see this sprinkled all throughout the entirety of scripture, but it begins and continues the legacy of this concept of passing on and to pass on that in itself is assuming multiple generations. So we know that there's this connection between them and um, yeah, and that's part of it. And I, some other things that I can think of just scripturally would be, we have the reality of Timothy and his mother and his grandmother, um, Paul highlighting that. We have admonitions for uh, specifically relationships between young girls and older girls and like older widows and young widows and stuff like that. And uh, the encouragement to invest them into to other lives. And so there's that mm. connection there going on. Um, and we see within Paul and Timothy and Titus, you know, just that living itself in, in the flesh right in front of us. Um, you see the wisdom consulting of others and the encouragement to consult uh, with a whole host of people. So it, there, there's things sprinkled all throughout scripture that, that kind of highlight. And it's not like the authors are going to say, okay, pause, pay attention to this point. We're now going to show how this generation connected to an older one. Um, that's not necessarily the case because it was normalized. Like that was just the culture. That was the life that they lived and somehow we've gotten a little bit away from that in some regards um, and thinking that this isolation is okay. And you can go back to, um, I don't want to sound too radical here, but 
like when you go away from the schoolhouse school setting to more large schools that are segregated classes, not racially, but segregated by grade. And so you, you have a shift in mentality now where we are putting people just in, in these pods with themselves. And, and that's kind of the only influence to get outside of the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was kind of a part where we have this shift and now it's the norm of like, you know, as a homeschool parent, some of the questions you get is how will your kids be socialized? And, you know, you can say, well, they are just with more generations than just their own peers, hmm. um, which is kind of more normal than just being stuck with your peers. Because once you get out in the world, you know, college is kind of a mixture, but especially post-college, now you're starting to interact with people. Like you think of your employment or whatever the case may be, you're not just going to have your peers there. Um, so, so that's kind of, yeah, a part of the, the, this whole point too, of, I think this was something that just had been assumed for so long and now we're kind of realizing maybe we've drifted a little bit from it and need to get some of this back. Mm -hmm. I think two of the, the informal times that Deuteronomy talks about with the, when you're lying down, when you're, you know, lying down and, uh, not just sleeping, but when you would lounge for meals, you talk about it when you eat, when you're on a road trip, walking with people. Um, I think as youth workers, we always are trying to, like, I just really wish my students would just ask some deep questions that could let me know that they were grappling with that. And that's not always the case. And we've said it before, but um, through the ministry of presence, you have those nine breakfasts with students so that you can have that 10th one. And maybe on that 10th one, they come out with this awesome question that you know, they're just thinking through and you can walk through that with them. So mm-hmm. wanting to encourage you know, not just uh, the one time of week that youth ministry tends to focus on, uh, perception-wise anyway, but that you would allow and encourage families and those outside of the families to continue discipleship um, you know, outside of the formal worship times on a Sunday morning or whenever you wind up meeting together for youth group, because you meet on Mondays, right? Or is we that do, Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. So whenever you meet, um, discipleship happens outside of that time. And I think that's important to communicate to students as well, because um, there's more to being a Christian than just gathering together for church. That's an important part, but it is, you know, there's so many other hours in the day where they have so many other influences and we want to try and encourage our adults to be some of those influences as well um thinking of psalm 78 uh as well as a good example here talking about we will not hide what the lord has taught us from our children but we are going to pass them on telling them about the glorious deeds that the lord has done talking about his wonders talking about god's faithfulness and Again, just pointing to the power of testimonies from our people. Mm-hmm. You know, they um, may not have the energy, but they have the wisdom and experience and the story of God's faithfulness. And we would do an incredible disservice to them and to the ministry we're trying to accomplish by cutting them out from that. Yeah. Uh, one way to think of it, too, is that in Scripture, we have the instruction. So it gives us like, 
the commands of this is what you need to do. This is what the life of following Christ looks like. Um, but in our generations, we have the demonstration. So scripture informs and instructs, but our students see it lived out through the lives of the older people in the congregation. And so when they're able to have a question of just like, how does school scholastic sports fit into the life of a believer? We might've had someone who was a student athlete for a long time, um, maybe even in a collegiate level or who knows how involved they were, but they're going to have a perspective of being able to say like, Oh, I remember that time. It was a lot of fun. And in hindsight, you know, this is, this is, how it strengthened me, and this is how I was challenged during that time. Right. Um, but then the student's going to have that to compare to and reference as they're going through, so they're not having to do that journey blind. So there's a lot of value in something like that. Right. I think two of the times when I myself read scripture and I see, I get to a verse and that just stands out to me, and I think sp- of specific people that I have seen and witnessed living this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and to put a little flesh, more flesh and bones on reading scripture as well. And uh, not to presume, but I do think that our students do that quite a bit as well. Mm. Like when they see something, uh, they may turn to somebody that they see this being lived out and they say, like, how do I do this? Like, what, how do I start on this journey? How do I follow Jesus in this perspective? And, um, Again, just wanting to echo the, the power of the testimony. But um, yeah, it, it's it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to process. But I, I think we're on a, a, a good course here for, um, yeah, for this month. Yeah. And I think <laughs> this is something that we've, we've talked about before, too. And it's not, uh, we talked about like biblical example. This is what's modeled to us in scripture. Um, but there's also been a lot of research in just the last decades talking about the significance for faith formation and how it really is one of the core things that can project how involved and connected a student's going to be in the future is do they have connections with people outside of their family and the congregation? Um, those more connections from multiple generations that a student has, the more likely they are able to look to the future and see themselves in that context and, and persevere through the different challenges, yeah. um, different things that might try to per- dissuade them from, from normal congregational living and stuff. When we think about congregational living too, that in itself is uh, what God is calling us to, right? So the congregation is, is a huge place for um, the Holy Spirit to be working and, and discipleship to happen together corporately. And so that's going to be more significant to a student when they know the people that they're gathering with too, instead of the mysterious, like, well, I see their faces, but I have no idea who they are when they actually know someone, right. Um, they know their stories. They, they, they're familiar with the struggles. And like you said before too, uh, with the scripture reading, well, this is also just, let's say that, you know, there's a guy who has Parkinson's disease. Suddenly the family has a kid and, um, their grandpa has been diagnosed or something. And it's just this mysterious, scary thing. Well, if they know this gentleman in the church, they can have a conversation. It's like, how do you live with this? And what has this been like for you? And how do I now connect with my grandpa? What's going to be helpful? And so, you know, there's just so much that can happen um, that puts flesh and puts life into these students' lives by these connections. Mm-hmm. Is it Fuller? It, it's Sticky Faith, right? Fuller Youth Institute, the five yeah. adults outside of the nuclear family, outside of the immediate family, five caring adults 
for every student. And that's I'm thinking where, of... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's where I first saw it, I think. And then I've yeah. seen it replicated since then multiple places. But yeah, yeah. good research on that too. Um, I, I think about that sometimes, especially as, as a smaller church, and just think like, we have... Um, so uh, the number of students we have to the number of adults we have, uh, we're going to maybe not, we, we either fall short of that five or we focus on, okay, maybe three caring adults. This is how many we have, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you want the adults to just focus on one. Uh, maybe they're the kind of adults who can double up and, and you know pray for and invest in uh, two people. Um, but yeah, that, that's the challenge, I think, as a small church, finding those kind of adults who are um, on board or who are willing to just try it and see, to just taste and see what uh, you're trying to accomplish. And I think the greater aspect here of youth ministry is the fact that it's just the microscale version of what the mission of the church is, because mm-hmm. the whole point is to make disciples. And youth ministry really tries to focus on making disciples um, while keeping a couple specific elements in mind, mainly um, that there's a lot of faith formation that's going on in the lives of students, especially in, in their adolescent years, where they've heard the Bible taught or they've heard it shared, or um, maybe they're new to this whole thing. They're, they're just starting to form uh, some semblance of what this whole Christianity thing is. Um, and they're trying to put uh, some sense and reason to it. They're thinking critically about it because that's what their, um, their bodies are doing. And also because that jigsaw is into the component of puberty. Um, that age-specific ministry, it's important for, uh, at least for us, that students have an opportunity to be with other students. Uh, you know, we have junior high and senior high all together, uh, so they see the grand spectrum of these different ages, the people that are working through their faith. They see some of these seniors that have been working through this for uh, longer than they have, and they see that maturity as well, but you don't want to just limit it to, this is our youth ministry, we sit over here, the older people sit over there. You want to try and avoid that age clickiness as well. So, um, you know, try to jigsaw this as well with what we're talking about here with family ministry, because family ministry does promote disciple making as well. You know, not just within the home, like with parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, but at church with as, as a spiritual family. You know, church, this is your second family of caring adults. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily appropriate or if you want to do this, Jordan. Do you have somebody that you would, like one or two people that you would mention by name that have poured into your life from your church as you were growing up? Um, I can think of a few people. We had in my high school, middle school years, uh, Kyle Mackey, he was... He went, worked with my dad as the volunteer youth leaders in our congregation. And since he wasn't my dad, um, that kind of made it a little bit more special. You know, sure. I, I had access. <laughs> I, now I look back and I think like how great of an opportunity that was to be with my dad. But as a student, it's kind of like, eh, you know, um, so there's that. But but Kyle was definitely somebody as a as a young kid. Um, I remember we had in our congregation uh, the sucker man. His name was Hank Peterson. And, uh, but Hold every on. Sunday, so you said, you said sucker, sucker, man. Yeah. Okay, Cause every cause Sunday, I, cause I heard soccer. Oh no, it was, it was sucker. 
Um, because he had every week, at least almost every week, um, to my recollection, he had a bag of suckers that he would hang out to all the students, all the kids. Oh, my word. And that was where I got introduced to caramel apple suckers. You know, those like <laughs> that are horrible on your teeth and stuff. But um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was just something that like everybody thought he was so cool. I didn't know too much about him, um, but that was me as a really young kid. So there's that aspect to it, too. But it was just an adult who noticed and cared about me. And there was there's others, too, you know. Uh, my parents, they're, they had a pretty tight net group, knit of group of people. Um, so we grew up along their kids and knew them as well. And we're, you know, taking rides to Iwana together, whatever the case is. So, so there was a pretty big network of that. But yeah, I can think of uh, several adults who knew me. Um, and that was, that was pretty cool. So hmm. can you name that names? Uh, yeah, I think of our senior pastor, uh, Dale Finstrom at the time, he would come out and drive, uh, farm trucks for us during harvest. And it was always, um, he was always the one that was fun to ride with, uh, no offense to the other truck drivers that were with us at the time, but, uh, always riding with pastor Dale would be great. Um, thinking of, you know, the other parents of the we, we rotated through a number of youth workers while I was going through. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I had a youth worker that I just kind of clung to and hung out with. But I, I do think of other adults, um, people like um, I think Cliff Langrud was is a name that comes to mind. Just a guy who uh, had worked leather, um, but he just loved the Lord and was willing to help out in whatever way he could. And... Um, just had, uh, you know, you could always just go and talk to him and it would just be a nice, casual, laid back conversation. And yeah. Uh, another aspect of this is just like, I really do think that this is a part of God's created order too. And I think that's something that we, we can see how this has been missing in a little bit. You know, you look at youth and there is a lot of energy. There's a lot of passion. Uh, if you don't believe me, uh, just look at some YouTube videos about climate change people and mm. you know there's there's a i'm not trying to make a political statement by saying this at all but but there is a lot of energy and passion from young people about something like this that they're getting behind and they're just like convinced that we're going to go and change the world and so that's that's idealism idealistic and stuff and that's not bad um that's actually one of the positive things that students can bring to the table is this vitality the energy and strength and new perspectives um but what's sometimes missing is the wisdom of of time that has gone past and so you look at the elderly in our congregations they've got stability you know there's not too many old people that are just like oh, i'm gonna get up and move across the country for a job or something like that so there's there's stable there um there is a wealth of knowledge of life you know of just how things work and they've got many different abilities over a lifetime of learning skills and acquiring things and they also have the resources like that is that is a difference. You don't have too many young people that are like crowdfunding their mission trips. It's appealing to older people. So each of those have those positives and the positives seem to balance what's lacking in the other one. So right. while elderly people might not have the energy, they might not have the, the um, vitality, um, but the, the youth do so they can really invest and benefit from the students in that side 
And the students, uh, as much as they might not appreciate it, just talk to any student or parent as how well their kids, especially in middle school and stuff, appreciate their wisdom and knowledge. Um, but they really do need to benefit from from that perspective of older people too. And so we can see God's goodness in all of this too. Um, how his design is good to have the generations being together, to learn from one another, to grow from one another, and so on. And so that was what I was going to say. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Well, uh, I mean, partly, yes, because okay. it's on our outline. But <laughs> one of us will say this. Uh, the other thought, side, too, that, um, just want to encourage us here as we think about this, uh, to view youth ministry as a bridge. You have generations on either side of this bridge, and you have an opportunity to be able to connect and literally bridge gaps and differences that uh, exist between generations, any hesitancy that might exist. I think we see this especially even with some of our ministerial acts within a church. Um, when you think about baptism, or if you're in a church fellowship that uh, dedicates children, you have the adults who are there and who are uh, promising to raise their kids in a Christian home, but then you also have the sponsors, right, outside of that immediate family who are willing to engage and help raise this the, this child or children or whatever the situation is. But then you have the congregation as well, right? And uh, I know when we baptize uh, infants, we say this is a first responsibility for you as parents and then as sponsors and then as us as a congregation. Like we are all involved in this. We are celebrating all of this together. This is very special for you, but we are involved in in this and we are promising to do this as well. So keeping that in mind as you think about uh, ways to connect generations and how do you go about doing this within your ministry setting. Yeah, and that's kind of the key. So I, I hope that through this conversation today, you're able to be, if you weren't already there, seeing the value of this as, as something to work forward to together. And that does lead to a question which you kind of asked or briefly mentioned, that's how do we do this? So tune in next time while we tell you everything <laughs> you need to know, maybe, about how we do this. So, uh, no, we do hope that that will be um, something that you're interested to, to tune into. And until that time, we pray that you would go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.